0: Well, welcome back everyone to our author series uh, here at Great Data Minds. This is Mike Lampa. Uh, I'll be your host today. And joining me is uh, Mr. Bill Franks. Uh, welcome, Bill.
1: How are you? Thank you, I'm good.
0: Good. So Bill, uh, just a little background, um, if I may, Bill. Bill's a, an executive, uh, he's a speaker and a consultant. Bill's authored um, several books and he spent his career focusing on analytics and data science, uh, AI, big data. And his work has spanned across a variety of industries. And, and he's worked with Fortune 100 companies down to small nonprofits. Uh, and he's an author of a couple of books, as I mentioned. Uh, Taming a uh, Big Data Tidal Wave is one of your uh, prior books. And The Analytics Revolution, both Wiley uh, publications. And also today's topic, Ninety-seven things about ethics that everyone in data science should know. Welcome, Bill. So, Thank you. Interesting book. I uh, I did devour this book, and and I find it um, incredible. Um, but um, tell me, how did it come about for you to do it? Because it's just like a project almost. You know. So tell me, how 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 did you come about doing it, and why why now? Yeah.
1: So it, interesting thing. I had started to pay a lot of attention to ethics probably over the last year or two myself and, uh, you know, had written a number of my blogs and articles and such on the topic. And as it ended up, o, O'Reilly, uh, was looking for uh, new 97 things series books. They have a, a, a book series of the, which this is one. And having seen me, uh, do a lot of, of writing and speaking on ethics, they reached out and said, would you, would I be willing to help uh, compile this? And so it seemed like a no-brainer. I think um, you know there's really a couple of things that that kind of turned my attention to this topic, and I think has has started to turn the industry as a whole towards it. Mm-hmm. And it actually, ironically, ties into the last book I wrote, "The Analytics Revolution," which was about the automation and embedding of analytics in decision-making processes where humans are no longer in the loop in many cases. Mm-hmm. That began to make people a little more uncomfortable with how these things were working and think about the ethics. And then I think AI hit us full force in the last two to three years where now you have algorithms that even the people running them don't necessarily understand exactly how they're operating, often being automated and, and now being utilized in a lot of situations where in the past traditional models hadn't even been utilized, like you know facial recognition and such. And so I think mm-hmm. those trends came together to suddenly make people much more aware of and concerned about the ethical implications. And so uh, you know I, I think it's probably has been overdue, but as always it takes, it, it, it takes some impetus to get people to actually take
0: notice. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the, there's several, uh, universal principles of ethics out there. If you, if you Google it, you know, you, different people I have uh, anywhere from 12 to 19 to 20, et cetera. Uh, and they're ripe for adoption. But as I read the first chapter, or, or the first part of the book around the foundational principles of ethics, um, it struck me that when it comes to data science, there's a, there's a significant nuance here. Yeah. Could you expand on that for us?
1: Yeah, so I think you know, there are definitely, to your point, there are certain ethical principles that I, I think generically we, we could discuss. And, and there are some of those discussed in the book. When you go to apply them specifically to data science, obviously, like with everything, any given field will have, have some nuances. I think, I think what makes it a little bit different, a lot of ethics are focused if the general ethics, you should say, focus how would you treat people? How, you know, what decisions should you make, et cetera? I think when we get into data science, part of the issue becomes we're actually talking about building things that are going to make those decisions on our behalf. And so mm-hmm. you not only have whatever risks there might be of you or I making our own decision that has its own ethical considerations, but it enters this additional layer of no matter how ethical our intent and purpose might be, we're now coding something and creating a process that may in and of itself, introduce some new risks or, or may not perfectly mimic what I wanted. And so, you know, as you go through the, um, uh, the book and as, I, uh, as you know, some of the conference talks I give on this topic, focus on how there's multiple spots in the chain of a data science or analytics process where ethics has to be thought about. There's the upfront mm-hmm. as you even define a problem. There's the data that you're gonna utilize and, and, and what data can and should ethically be used. There's uh, you know, making sure that you are monitoring the model once it's released and governing it uh, appropriately, making sure people are using the results appropriately. So I might build a, 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 an application for one purpose and, and have a model that's great for that purpose, but is it appropriate to be utilized in, in totally uh, different purposes? And it really mm-hmm. then takes some policies to, to manage all of that. So it really uh, is something where ethics in my mind permeates everything about the world of data science from beginning to end and that's that's part of why i think it's so important for us it's 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 pervasive in everything that we do
0: uh-huh yeah and and uh, I, I pick up this notion of bias might be introduced right and you know you, you, just to step back a little bit i when i've read up on you know ethics and ethics principles it's been about proper use of data, you know, protect the person behind the data, you know, be, you know, um, compliant, you know, with your governance around the data, et cetera, et cetera. But what I hadn't realized before I read the book was this concept of bias could be introduced into the machine learning process. Um, And some of it could be intentional or some could be unintentional.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because bias, you know, a lot of people, if, if you think about it from a mathematical perspective, bias in its simplest form is simply where one, um, one subgroup of a population might end up getting treated differently than another subgroup of the population um, uh, for reasons that may not be clear or may not be, be valid. So it's not, and mm-hmm. in, in, in there are cases where that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think when we talk about ethics, it's normally considered a bad thing. Uh, you know, I always like to say it comes down to, to give you one of my favorite examples is uh, as people have evolved techniques to reverse engineer what's driving image recognition. So, as an example, we're you know we're recognizing people's faces. What is it about my face when the algorithm looked at it that made you decide it was me? Uh, there's techniques. One of them is called LIME, uh, locally interpretable model agnostic explanations. There's a mouth. There right here you go. <laughs> um, But there's an article that's been spread far and wide out there where someone uh, took pictures. There had been uh, wolves, wild wolves, and husky dogs, which are um, very similar looking. Mm -hmm. They built an image recognition process to differentiate between a wolf and a husky. And it had phenomenal model statistics, right? If you looked at it from a mathematical perspective, you'd say this model is awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, they applied LIME to, to look into what was driving the selection and what was highlighted was the snow in the background of the wolf pictures, because they tend to live in cold areas. They're ph- photographed in the wild with snow behind them. The huskies tend to be in a backyard or on a couch and mm. wouldn't necessarily have snow. So what you had was a model that was, in fact, accurately identifying the two through a completely spurious third of uh, uh, principle which was the snow that was a bias in the photos right that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with you can argue there is, is an association with snow and a husky I mean it's not an illogical connection but certainly when your goal is to differentiate a wolf from a husky our intent was the facial features or structure of a wolf versus a husky and the fact that our pictures had happened to have snow and not snow was a cheat that worked well but that didn't get down to what we were really trying to do. And if you, if you expand that into if you're starting to do something with medical diagnoses or credit scores or other things that could influence people in a positive and negative way, you've got to be sure not just that the model seems to be rewarding and punishing the right people, but that it's doing it for a reason that's actually sound. And, mm. and that's where the pure results of a model don't guarantee it's ethical. So if you're, doing good can- if you're getting lucky with cancer diagnoses through some completely arbitrary third thing, you know that's still not an ethical thing to use. You need to you need to up you know change that model and 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 uh, remove or control for that that otherwise mm-hmm. spurious effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the model can be accurate, but is it ethical? Correct. <laughs> Interesting. So, in part two, uh, the topic is around data data science and its impact on society. So, we start talking about bias a little bit, but is bias Different than fairness? Does fairness start to come into play here um, when we talk about the impact on society?
1: So, you know, this is where a lot of these terms are squishy. Uh-huh. So, what exactly is bias? What exactly is fairness? You could talk about in the general term in a data science specific perspective. And frankly, I think we'd have general agreement, but not necessarily exact agreement either. Mm. And so, um, I, I, I think there is an interplay there wherein. Um, to me, I think people, I think bias, there, there's somewhat of a, people think of that more in the technical terms, right? Is it a mm-hmm. bias? Can I show that, that wolves are disproportionately chosen with snow in the background? I think when people think of fairness, that, that is often, I know there's some, some some definitions. I think a lot of people, when they talk fairness, that's a little bit squishier. They mean it more in a humanistic sense, like, hey, mm-hmm. is that fair? Is that, is that really what, what uh, should happen? Uh, and we can translate some of those principles that people want with fairness, certainly into the models. Um, but but in the end of the day, they, they interplay very much because if a model has a heavy bias, we're often going to say that it's 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 unfair. I think, you know, it'd be it. I, I've struggled to think of an example where something's, clear, you know, clearly horribly unfair in, in the model process itself, where it's not biased. What it could be, though, a model that's completely unbiased, but it's being applied in an unfair fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where back to how the, the the ethics enter in every portion of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if bias is the more technical term of the model, the model might not be biased at all, but I might be applying it in an unfair way. Uh, you know, one example that could be: well, I, I've just decided since some people seem to get a really low score on this model, there must be something wrong with the model, so I'll ignore that score. When, the, when their score is real low and use other factors. Now, that, that could be defensible. You might be able to go do a lot of work to prove that's the right thing to do. But to just make that arbitrarily, I would argue that's not really fair, even if the model itself is thought to be unbiased.
0: Right, interesting, interesting. So ethics and innovation. When we're trying to innovate new ideas uh, and come up with the art of the possible, um, we're trying to find things that we could do but the question, I guess, is when we bring ethics into consideration, we also have to ask, should we do it?
1: I think that's one of the most important things people need to think about in data science today because the, the amount of data that is available today, it's not just vast, but it's so much more personal, right? It's mm-hmm. everything from you know, what you've browsed now with these uh, in-home devices, what have you said? when have you come in and out of your house, uh, where have you been? And so there's a lot of things that we could do with data mm-hmm. and you hit on it, it's should we? And, the, and one thing I believe where a lot of companies that have run afoul of either legal or public opinion um, uh, sentiment in past years have been mistaking what's legal for what's ethical. Hey, this isn't mm-hmm. against the law, this is clearly legal. Uh, and some, especially in the tech world, some of these companies will skate right up against what's legal. And if it's grayish, they'll still do it. Their point is, if it's not clearly illegal, we're going to go ahead and do it until someone says we have to stop. A lot of companies have gotten in trouble for that approach. And I think really, what you have to sit back and say and recognize is laws haven't caught up with this stuff at all. Right? The fact that something you can't say because it's currently not illegal—it was intentionally legal. Very likely, some of these these things that you can do with with analytics today. Well, I shouldn't say barely. There are absolutely examples of things you could do with analytics today and with data that would be legal, but it's more by omission. It's the fact that nobody has thought to actually think through that that must be illegal. So you could think, think today there's a lot of municipalities banning the use of facial recognition for law enforcement purposes, for one example. Um, you know, whether it's ethical or not to use uh, facial recognition for that purpose is a discussion that we sure, certainly should have and has a lot of pros and cons on each side. Mm-hmm. But it's probably legal most everywhere right now by default because it's never actually been addressed with the law one way or another. So, any organization building out, out new processes has to actually think about that. Should we do this? And it's it's the legal versus ethical, and uh, and that's a a, a, a much in my mind legal is a much tighter line. I'm sorry, ethical is a much tighter line than legal today.
0: Mm-hmm. And and uh, your your point around the laws haven't caught up yet. Are we starting to see some evidence of uh, regulatory uh, bills being proposed? Oh,
1: I, absolutely. I mean everything from. Uh, the privacy regulations, like GDPR in Europe, was based, mm-hmm. you know, by large part. That helps to regulate that, some of the data side of this. There are yeah. now places putting in laws banning the use of facial recognition, as an example, and that's starting now to take hold. There are, um, you know, rules on who can sell what data, and I think we're going to continue to we're going to continue to see more, um, even with uh, COVID. Right? There's been uh, there's apps. I've got something on my phone now. Um, that if I turned it on, it's going to let Apple track everywhere I'm going and everyone I come in contact with theoretically anonymously, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I comfortable with that? You know, personally, I'm not, other people might be, but at the end of the day, is there, you know, uh, are there laws that are causing Apple to limit the use of that data or is it Apple's policy and promise? And I, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of these cases, whether you trust the company or not, you're really trusting the company or not. It's not that there's a law. Yeah. Um, now, when you get into this COVID tracing, is it even covered under HIPAA, all the healthcare regulations? Is it medical data where I've been? Not necessarily, right? You mm-hmm. could argue it's not, it's my location data. You're using it for a medical purpose. So even even to that extent, I think these are the kind of thorny issues that come up. I don't have the answer to those questions today, but I'm saying in order to really know, you know, what, what's appropriate with that app and what data is protected and what data is not, I don't think that the current HIPAA laws were written in anticipation of data that has nothing to do with your health, but that could also be applied to your health and once it's applied for a health score of sorts, is it suddenly HIPAA? Is it HIPAA mm-hmm. overall or just for the purposes of that score? I mean, these are the kind of thorny issues we have to decide. But in the absence of that being decided, that's why it's on every individual, you know, the organization or the person building the analytics to, to, to think through some of these implications themselves. And it's often no clear cut answer. That's, that's the thing. There's often, a, it's it's a spectrum. And, and I've seen different companies make different decisions in the exact same situation. And- <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's people that would agree or disagree with those companies on both sides.
0: Yeah, boy, that's interesting. That kind of triggers in my head, um, like in the 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 um, uh, intelligence world. Data can be unclassified. I got different pockets of data that's unclassified, but if I change the context by mashing that data up, I could turn it into classified data. Uh, and and if I apply that to what you just said, there is is. The use of this information that I've been using for a while for a certain particular purpose was ethical and legal, but now I'm using it in a different way. You know, talking about the location data, right? Um, When I turn my phone location data, you know, services on, uh, retailers can prompt me for applicable ads as I'm walking past a storefront, for example, right? Now when you think about it, it's a perfect app for contact tracing, why not do it, right? seems to be the right thing, but is it? And my question then is, do companies need to step back and think about the stakeholder, the sphere of the stakeholders that they need to take into consideration? Does it go beyond shareholder when I'm thinking ethics?
1: Yeah, and I know I think they're actually tied together though, because if you do something that greatly offends or harms your stakeholders, that will in turn then affect the shareholders, right? Mm. Whether it be through legal costs, brand equity loss. And I mean, we've seen examples of all of that. Yeah. But I think, you know, really what I I actually talk frequently about how there's three levels you must think through what's legal is the loosest, what's ethical is next loosest. But then there's an even, uh, I'm sorry, what's right. Let's go in terms of tightness. What's legal is the least tight. What's ethical is is tighter than that. But the most tight is what will your stakeholders, consumers, general customers accept? And you can have something that is legal and even ethical in the absolute sense, but that customers won't accept. And a great example of that that I always love to talk about is the uh, target example from a few years ago where they had a huge rash of bad press over predicting pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And in context, they it was what they did was 100% legal. I think pretty, pretty clearly ethical in the sense people signed up for a loyalty program. They said, we're gonna predict all kinds of things about you to give you offers. They were predicting hundreds of things about customers. Will I buy a, uh, uh, health foods? Will I buy a shirt? Am I into um, you know, uh, carbonated beverages? Am I pregnant, right? I mean, it was just one of hundreds. It wasn't like somebody sat down and said, let's find out who's pregnant. However, at the end of the day, people were comfortable if you wanted to predict, oh, Bill, looks like Bill had a cold, let's let him know about this new after cold treatment that'll help him feel better faster. I might be okay with that, but oh, Bill's wife is pregnant, that creeped people out. And so while the, the type of model, the way the data was being used, all of that, it was the exact same process as being used in 200 other cases, the pregnancy one upset people yep. and, and felt it went too far. And whether it was legal or ethical didn't matter at that point. They had upset the stakeholders and it caused a huge backlash. And that's so I think you're dead on with this idea of don't, don't just look through the lens of will my company get in trouble legally if I do this? And ethically, can we do it? You also have to think, how would the people who are going to be impacted by this going to interpret it? And there could be scenarios where in time people get comfortable with some things that they're not comfortable with today. Like maybe today, popular opinion would say, I don't want you to use facial recognition. Who knows? Maybe in 10 years, everyone's good with it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that uh, you got to think through that legal and ethical. But even today, if someone said, yeah, in our city, we absolutely can use facial recognition and our, our ethical review says it would be ethical to do. I think it'd be worth saying, you know, we ought to survey our local community and see how they feel about it. Because if they're totally against that, it doesn't matter. We can tell them it's ethical all day and it's mm-hmm. legal all day. And in the, and we're going to have a black eye and they're going to lose confidence in the, you know, in the local
0: government. So, yeah, that, so, so that uh, perception goes right back to the hitting the brand, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it, but it, you know, if I step back and try to be a little bit more uh, of a feeling human, it's it's not just that though it's am i doing the right thing for the people that i'm trying to serve is it was kind of what i'm picking up here you know it's it's not just about performance to the corporation or then know, or the nonprofit it's serving the people well
1: yeah and i think this gets back to i actually think that there's going to be or so you have organizations in the past that have competed on privacy. So like in the browser space, there's a, a, a in search engine space, there's a, like a, a browser called ghostry, a search engine called DuckDuckGo. go. And their whole premise is we're not going to track your searches and your personal information, like some of the other um, um, apps do. I think there's room for someone to come out and say, you know, we're competing on, on ethics, right? We're going to give you the ability to control a whole lot, how we use your data and for what kind of purpose and we're always going to publicize every way we're using data, et cetera. I, I don't know many companies doing that today, but I think there's room in some of these in some of these spots to, to do it. I, I've said for years, I'd uh, I'd sign up in a heartbeat for a social network that I had to pay a little bit for every month to make you know because if you look at it, I think I've read that it's only a couple dollars a month per per uh, user that some of these social networks get. When you think of all the information you're giving up to these big tech companies, and they're making a couple dollars a month. I'd happily pay a few dollars a month for a social network that said, we're going to store and house your data for the purpose of you connecting with your network. However, we aren't going to sell it to avatars. We aren't even going to analyze it for our own purposes. We're literally going to store it to tactically execute uh, the network. I'd mm-hmm. be willing to pay those couple of dollars. I, and I, I think in time, we'll, we'll have more and more companies that do that, which is is, is kind of competing on, et, on, on ethical principles of sorts about what what is and isn't. Right, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean one size will fit all. Different companies can have different approaches, that's the whole point. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think there is a market out there for companies that wanna be radically ethical um, and, and transparent on how they're doing these things. I think there are people who would, who would gravitate towards those, uh, those types of companies.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the, the data itself, um, you hinted at usage. So there's concept in, in part uh, four of the book around the appropriate targets and the appropriate usage. Talk to me a little bit about that target versus usage there.
1: So the target is uh, on the front end, I think people generally get and think about a lot, right? Oh, I want to predict if someone's pregnant. Is that a good idea? I want to predict if you're going to buy a soda in the next 30 days. Is that a good idea? Um, You know, should you even be modeling this? Um, You could also look at things like, usage around a credit score. So a credit score for the purpose of deciding, should I get a credit card or a mortgage? You know, I think we've established that's a pretty fair usage, but then you read things like, well, employers are now, you know, trying to use a credit score to determine if they want to give you a job under the guise that yeah. if you have a bad credit score, it might mean you have financial trouble, which might mean that you're more likely than to embezzle money and or sell company IP in order to get money on the side because of your financial trouble. Wow. From a purely logical perspective, that argument has some merit, but is it really an ethical use of a credit score? Um, and certainly is it an ethical use of a credit score if the applicant hasn't given permission for it to be used in such a way? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a much thornier issue. So I think those are the kind of scenarios, you, you know, that, that, that we get into, you know, into that usage. And the same thing, if I allowed my, you know, I have a fitness, one of these fitness trackers, I'm okay if they're doing things like scoring my sleep quality for the purpose of letting me know how well I appear to be sleeping. I don't like the idea that they would then turn around and go sell a pillow company or a bedding company or a company that sells sleeping medicine, my actual sleep scores so that they could decide, you know, oh, he's a great candidate. He's probably tired a lot. We're going to push our, you know, our double dose product of pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that. So that's an example where there's this score that I think is fine to use for me and provide to me, I would be uh, not happy at all if they were actually then providing that same score for a purpose uh, outside of giving it to
0: me. Yeah. So, so let's plan that a little bit. How would you feel if they said, well, here's your sleep score and here's how you rank, rank with your peer cohort? Yeah. You know? Would be okay with now that? the key
1: is if they were using me as part of that peer cohort and all they were showing was relative to a cohort in aggregate you know you're in the 80th percentile you're not giving away anything about me I'm cool mm-hmm. I'm cool with that mm-hmm. if you were to say here's a cohort and you list my name so you're just above Bill Franks and just below Mike Lampa, now I'm a little uh, you know I'm, 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 yeah. I'm a little I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with that but I think this is where you know uh, I've mentioned uh, that that privacy policies often aren't even aren't granular enough so a lot of places will say do not contact me and with Mm -hmm. one fell swoop i'm either getting contacted or i'm not you know i always like to say what would i what would i let a fitness tracker data be used for in my case if you were to say someone reached out and goes bill we are doing a uh, a medical research project for a major medical provider we will protect all of the confidentiality of your data we just need your data along with a hundred thousand other people to investigate a, a, a certain pattern and we're going to publish aggregate results. Your data will never be revealed. I would probably say, okay, I'll let, I'll let a medical company uh, or a medical study use that. Now, mm-hmm. if another comes and says we're a medical company, we want to use your data to develop a new product and, and so forth. That might be And for marketing. You know, eh, I don't think so. And another one comes, and goes, Hey, can we use your data so we can market you our products? I'd say, hell no. Now other people might be fine with all of those, but the point is um, I would release my data, Uh, It for certain purposes that seem similar on paper, but that actually, you
0: know,
1: aren't similar to me conceptually, a a purely blinded medical research, I'm cool with Mm -hmm. just general product research, not so much marketing to me, not Mm -hmm. at all, but the same data gets used in some of the same underlying models could almost be used in each of those, you might be predicting my probability of a certain sleep ailment, as an example, for medical research, as well as for product development, as well as to market to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gets back to where it's, it's not clean cut that a given data set is ethical for a given model. It's also that usage that uh, matters as well.
0: Right. And if that usage is, is creating an unfairness is, and I'm not aware of it, am I running the risk of this insidious accumulation of fairness debt?
1: Yeah. So this is a great point. Uh, one of the, one of the gentlemen in the book wrote, he talked about fairness debt and I thought this was an awesome, um, Awesome concept, because people talk about technical debt in the technology world, right, wherein your systems are getting old, they're not up to date. The same thing in your house, you get to give it, you have technical debt in your house when you know your roof's getting old and your pipes are getting a little dicey, you know, eventually you're going to have to pay up for that and, 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 and the debt has built up and you either proactively deal with it or you wait till the pipes burst and you and you run the risk of a much much bigger explosion. So the concept that was raised of, of fairness debt is if you put out some of these analytics and data science processes and you just leave them out there, you're not monitoring, you're not keeping track, they could eventually drift. That's what happens as new data gets fed in. They might they might drift, develop a bias, stop working as, as intended. And now you have what you could call a fairness debt, meaning your models aren't really fair the way they were intended to be, or even the, when you tested them and, and now they've drifted, where that debt comes into play is suddenly a regulator notices something funky going on or customers notice that, Hey, this is odd. There's an investigation and, and people find out, Oh my God, look what this model has been doing. It actually, you know, the model initially was fine, but it's developed, um, uh, things that are discriminated against, uh, everybody in the Southeast because there was one hurricane that came through. So it now rates all of Southeast mm. riskier generically, for an example, um, those kind of things. Well, your, 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 fairness debt is you're going to have to rebuild those models. You're going to have to retest those models, do it ongoing or risk having to do it because you find a problem. And if that problem goes public, now you have the same things we've already talked about, potential legal and brand equity impacts uh, alongside the work that needs to be done uh, from the validation perspective.
0: So transparency and and monitoring, um, intentional, because we have to track to make sure we're uh drifting is not creeping in um unbeknownst to us right so the uh, part four five of the book rather is uh, around transparency and monitoring which i love but is this new i mean you and i both have worked uh with uh tom uh, davenport and he's been advising this for years
1: well this is where i think really uh there's a lot that's not necessarily new. I think it's getting new focus. So we've, you know, we've needed monitoring of models and transparency of models for years in theory. I think what it comes down to, there are cases where it's been taken very seriously in part because of regulation like credit scores, right? There's, there's very strict laws um, and, and, and the financial world in general tends to have a lot of regulation. There's other areas where there's not near as much. People would have all agreed, yeah, we should, but you know. so we talked about just because you could, should you, and just because you should, do you? I think it's a case of no one's going to say, no, we shouldn't monitor our models. We shouldn't have transparency, but do they, and do they do it properly? I think that's where you're going to have many cases you'll go, well, no, not really. So I think this is where it comes back to your intentionality. You have to intentionally make a point to Mm -hmm. do the, to to be transparent about what you're doing on the way in and out, as well as then have the ongoing monitoring that isn't as simple as the model was clearly unbiased. um, Now, let's take that wolf model. Maybe it worked fine initially. So you put it out there and you keep feeding new images to train it. Over a period of time, it might've drifted towards ha- leaning towards snow anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're not testing for the bias on an ongoing basis or for the for, for the transparency of what's happening, you may not ever catch that. Um, and that's that's the problem. And you know that's where there's been multiple experiments in the real world that have gone off the rails. Like I forget, I think it was at Microsoft chatbot that turned racist within a day or something, right? Oh my, it, yeah. Because it... The model itself had no inherent um, bias or racist tendency or anything when they released it. It was, you could argue, fundamentally a fair and ethical thing, but because it was learning from what it was being told, it quickly spun in a direction no one anticipated, and that's where yeah. the monitoring comes in. I believe, if I recall, not only did it happen within a day or so, but they you know they reacted fairly quickly and took it down, and in fairness until that happens to somebody, you don't realize how quickly and easily it happens. And they were the, they were the example, right? I don't beat them up too much for that because they, you know, they did handle it quickly. And I could, I, it wouldn't have been something I would have anticipated. I, if you had said, could, could, could the masses of people commenting on this cause it to get nasty over time? I would say, oh, sure. But you know, most people will probably interact in a, in a reasonable fashion and it really, it'll see it, but it won't just like our day-to-day conversation. Most right. of it's not nasty, but I think what you had there was almost a an attack of sorts in that a lot of people thought, Hey, this is going to be fun. I'm going to go say nasty stuff to the chat bot to see what happens. And enough people did that, that it actually, the chat bot wasn't interacting the way you and I would interact. It was interacting in a primarily nasty way with a bunch of people mm-hmm. who were intentionally biasing the input data, which then on the back end ends up biasing the output data, even though the fundamental modeling process itself was not any of those things.
0: Right. Interesting. So there was a, uh, a hint of opaque algorithms. In context of uh, transparency and monitoring and the potential inevitable boom I'm thinking of citizen data scientists, um, we're going to enable these guys and gals. I don't want to. Yeah. You know, um, with platforms that take the hard part out of data science um, And put it into a kind of a low code or no code uh, type environment to enable a a savvy business analyst with data science capabilities right Um, so how do we help the citizen data scientists understand the critical importance around transparency and monitoring
1: so we could have an entire
0: We could do a whole webinar on this, Mike. So
1: so to keep it simple, I'd say I'm a fan of the idea of enabling people. I also am a fan of always reminding folks that with the reward comes great risk. You have to really do it responsibly. And it ties to all this. So uh, the the way you can help there is, for example, uh, if I'm a citizen data scientist, curate and prepare the data that I'm able to analyze in such a way that... Um, you know, it, it's been vetted that okay, this data for the for the purposes we anticipate, someone like Bill will use it for. This data is fine. So you're you're at least not even letting me uh, have touch data that that could have ethical considerations. But I think uh, the the other part of that is we get back to it. There might be data that's ethical that could be used unethically. But that now that's on me as that citizen data scientist. So back to the monitoring. If even if I develop something somebody that's an expert ought to review what it is before I can actually disseminate it much further than myself and maybe a few of my closest friends uh, you know, at the company to, to test the result. If I say, hey, I need to make this available to the entire marketing department. Okay, well, Bill, you're not you're not allowed to just deploy it. You can build it, you can test it. But when you want to deploy it, someone's got to come in behind you and validate your, your process end-to-end. And that's both from the ethical as well as the technical perspective. The reality is the tools that make things easy don't necessarily take out the hard part of making sure you formulated the problem correctly. And you're, mm. you know, all these other aspects, it makes it easy to do wrong things very fast too. Mm. And so I think both, both ethics, as well as methodological, uh, angles, um, it, it, you do have to have, you know, preparing what you let da- citizen data scientists do carefully, but then also double checking whatever they do do, that's going to get used broader than themselves on an ongoing basis and offering support as well, so that they mm-hmm. have someone to go ask questions when they go, you know, I'm a little bit over my head here. Mm-hmm. I've never used this algorithm. I think what I'm doing makes sense. Can someone help me? Yeah. And, and the way I've, I've positioned that to the data science teams is, you know, uh, that's kind of a pain in you, as you think of it, having these people calling you with these seemingly mundane questions. At the same time, if you don't enable them to call you with those questions, they're gonna call you with the project and you're gonna be spending your time doing those projects. So if you do it properly, you can hopefully spend less time answering their mundane questions than you would have otherwise spent doing all of the mundane projects, never getting to do the cool projects that you want to do. Now at least you can take a break from your cool project to answer a few questions versus doing the mundane thing. So um, I don't know. It's all, you know, some people think it's all incremental effort. I'm not sure that's true. If you can find that right balance, the, a lot of those day-to-day things that I hear data science teams complain all the time about, I'm spending all my time doing reports and all my time, <laughs> you know, checking numbers. I never get to do the cool stuff. Well, you know, this is where the the, the citizen approach can, can help alleviate that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and something that struck me too, one of the contributors referenced uh, model risk management as a concept um, to help folks like citizen data scientists um, review, um, go through a, a, a deliberate process to re- review any inherent risk inside the model or hidden risk inside the model. Um, and as I was reading your book, um, I was Googling model risk management, and I'm seeing that there's, there's a budding uh, body of knowledge around that as an extension of enterprise risk management. Yeah.
1: Well, and this is what I think is a beautiful thing. I always like to talk about let's not totally reinvent the wheel where we don't need to. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to go and say, we need ethics and data science. Let's start from the ground up. What's ethics and what are the principles, right? I think to your point early, you said about there's foundational ethical principles that need tweaked and need adjusted. We might add a few things, a few things might not apply. We might have to adjust the way certain things apply. But I think starting from foundational principles that have already been well documented in other circumstances come into play. And, and your point about risk management, there is risk management in place for multiple aspects of large enterprises today. Again, are the exact ways that risk management process is implemented for finance or for a production facility or for you know, some other area uh, going to apply? Not exactly, but are there a lot of general process uh, steps and principles that we can borrow? I think you know, 100%. And so it can really accelerate uh, by getting your data science uh, stuff in order by mm-hmm. saying, let's go borrow from, from the great work other people have done. I had this conversation recently, even around um, when you talk about agile and so forth and those procedures, can you take agile software development and make it apply directly out of the box as is to data science processes? No, but can you take the, the, the underlying angles they're going for and adjust with a little adjustment, make them apply pretty quickly. And then, you know, build up. Absolutely. And I've seen some companies that have been pretty successful with that. So mm-hmm. I think there's not, not, nothing different here. It's, it, it's, don't get too intimidated. I think people hearing all this discussion could go, oh my God, this is daunting. Mm-hmm. I think there's frameworks and groundwork laid all across uh, both enterprises as well as academics work that you can borrow from here to give you a kickstart. It's yeah. just specific to data science as it exists today. Um, and, and, you know, that's really no different than anything else we do. We're always taking things and adjusting them.
0: Mm. So our focus this year for 2021 with uh, it, within Great Data Minds, is helping our clients move into machine learning as, as a discipline. Um, and we're trying to help them understand that that's new table stakes, right? Um, great reward to be had. Incredible risks to be... Um, uh, you know, aware of. Um, so what do we do to help our, our leaders? Our, is, it, is it policies and guidelines or to help the data science um, adoption? Yeah. well,
1: I, So I think it's, and you're talking from a adoption, you mean how do we ensure it's adopted ethically in this case, or we're more generically just getting companies to do
0: um, yeah, thank you for clarif- uh, asking for the clarification. Uh, it's, I want to adopt this machine learning discipline in my organization. What am I getting into? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah.
1: So, the good news is, honestly, when you get into machine learning and even AI, um, they are different algorithms in some cases than some of the historical algorithms. But most organizations of any size today have been using algorithms for many, many years. And so, um, if you were to go back to the early days, you know you had a, a, a real basic classic regression model using core recency frequency monetary value metrics for marketing. Um, very simple data and very simple model structure compared to a machine learning model applied to web, web history and all sorts of other things today. But the same general gist is still there, right? you're mm-hmm. you're you're taking the data, you're you're building some kind of prediction or forecast and you're taking action on it. So I think, much, uh, it's much the same principle. Mm-hmm. You can look at all the things you've been doing in the past and don't let the executives or the organization get scared. It's machine learning. Now machine learning is just the, you know, it, it might be at the next level, but you're still doing some of the fundamental things for the fundamental reasons you have in the past. It's just, yeah. a, it's, it, in many cases, a better way to do it. I mean, cars get better over time. They get better features and functions. Computers have gotten better. Modeling options have gotten better. But you're still fundamentally saying, we're going to take the data, we're going to help you make these decisions. And so I think the key is don't get the executives hung up on what are all the differences between the machine you know, machine learning algorithm versus something else. All they need to know is, you know what? Remember, we used to get you 10% extra sales when we did that with the old algorithm. This new algorithm says we can get you 11 to 12. Mm-hmm. So, right. Right. Oh, by the way, we're using machine learning if anyone asks. Okay. Yeah. But that's really what the average business executive needs needs to understand or or, or should worry about. Now, if they have a personal interest, they could always dig deeper, but that's really, really the point. You're still just helping them uh, do business. Now, what we've talked about today, as you get into some of this, because there is more more detailed data being used in these, and because they are being deployed, you do have to think about the ethics upfront and intentionally and make that executive confident. And by the way, we have some policies around the ethical use of data. We're reviewing each of these new projects we're proposing to make sure that we, we, we're convinced they're legal and ethical and we'll document that in our project documentation. So we don't think we're exposing you to huge new risks simply because we're new, using new data for new problems. We understand that there's potential for new risks. That's why we have this focus on ethics you've been hearing about. And I know uh, a number of large companies I, I work with have uh, implemented overall ethical principles uh, and, and even have ethical frameworks around documenting uh, project's purposes and usages and any concerns that there may or may not be and having people have a chance to both input that and then having people review that Mm -hmm. prior to those models actually uh, getting released.
0: Yeah, sounds like a sound baseline of guidelines, right? To Be put in place. So there were two uh, observations that I loved in in this uh, part of the book. Um, One quote was all models are wrong and then the other one was around algorithmic humility. Can you talk about those from its? Uh,
1: yeah. So I love the all models are wrong. It's a classic thing. I I can't remember there was some famous person who had said um, all models are wrong. Some are useful. I think that was the official. <laughs> and, and and a funny thing is I actually had to have a conversation. I, I brought up that that uh, quote. Uh, uh, two weeks ago in the one in the class I'm teaching, because one of the master's students, they were having to lay out an analytical plan for this practical project course that's for an actual company uh, that has sponsored the class. And the gentleman was uh, mentioning to me, he goes, you know, Bill, here's the problem. I'm just not confident that this data is going to let us predict it in this way. And I, I don't want to commit to it if it isn't going to work and this and that. And I finally said, I said, look, you're way too hung up at this early stage. You're not committing that this model is going to do everything you're saying, you're committing to a plan that you're going to attempt to build a model of this nature, hoping that it will predict that. I said, you could find that it doesn't predict it. That's okay, right? So so I said, you have to, and, and even if it works, it's never gonna be perfect. Here, that's why I said all models are gonna be somewhat wrong. You, you can't let yourself stop doing any model if you can't be confident it's 100% right. I can promise you every day the heavily regulated credit score models have errors here and there where somebody objectively we could all look at and go, oh, yeah, that score doesn't make sense. Because there's some little fluke of how their file looks that caused them to get a higher or lower score than otherwise would. Mm-hmm. That's always going to happen because no model's perfect. The question is, is it useful? And especially in a business context, that's, uh, you know, that's why I reminded them the other day. I said right now they don't have any information on this problem you're trying to solve if all you can say is that in 30% of cases, you can improve by 10% that nets out to 3% lift in sales for them. That's Mm -hmm. huge. That's a win. They're not worried about the 70% of the time your model didn't, didn't help at all. Or, or even the cases where you cost them revenue because it was balanced out, right. It comes out to the balance across all of, if all of the customers combined will get you 3% more revenue, you can live with a few customers that you accidentally chase off, Mm -hmm. right. Because that's just going to happen. That's, That that's they go so I yeah I think some of those base principles are 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 always good to keep in mind.
0: Yep yep, and just be deliberate and intentional. Yes, and that's the thing I would say.
1: Intentionality to me is the most important thing you can do today to mitigate your risk starting today and have success going forward. Forcing yourself, your teams, all across the board, to intentionally think about ethics at every step of these uh, of a data science program simply forcing people to say, hey, as we're about to uh, define this project, let's make sure we document the ethical considerations. On the back end, hey, we did, we did do the ethical uh, thing up front, right, and, and this was an intended use of this model, correct? Right. Okay, uh, by, by just being intentional, and it's like a cultural thing.
0: Mm-hmm. If, if,
1: if people care, when, when people in a call center are told it matters what your average call time is or what your score from the person who you hang up on is, they're going to start to pay attention to those things very carefully. When you make it clear, you're going to want people to be able to, to tell uh, you not only that they did do the ethical uh, documentation, but that they're familiar with what it is for this case, they will start to have it. So I think it's that, that forced intentionality that you do because it's the right thing, not waiting for the legal team to come and force it upon. you.
0: Mm-hmm. And also accept the fact that you're going to continually learn. Just be intentional about it. That's you know, exactly that, right. Which kind of goes with the humility thing, I think. So the, the sixth part of the book uh, was a collection of use cases. Uh, which one struck you in particular? Well, I remember one, one example
1: in the book that I thought was, was fascinating that I had never thought about, but once you, once you hear it, it makes perfect sense, was about um, autonomous weapons systems. So think about Terminator, right? I mean, today we have drones, and we have all seen all, all the way back. If you remember, it was all the way back in the Gulf War. I think you, you're you're old enough, like mm-hmm. me, to remember that the first pictures of these of these laser guided missiles hitting within five feet of a target from hundred yep. miles away it, it, it shocked the world almost, right? We're like, oh my god!
0: <laughs> yeah, I watched well, a, I watched a bomb blow yeah. something up.
1: <laughs> Imagine where we are today. And so the one case study was about you know there are weapon systems now. Uh, both missile level, you could have, uh, um, um, you know, little robot levels that might have a weapon that they're able to, to deploy. What are the rules under which they can and should be allowed to act? And, 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 and what are the, what are the uh, safeguards, you know, I might say, okay, you can now fire at everybody in a red uniform robot. What if that robot starts malfunctioning, right? How do I then say, all right, turn off that robot? And mm-hmm. so it was a fascinating case study about, about, and should we even have robots allowed to ever do that, right? And this, mm-hmm. this, was, the, this was the discussion I thought of that, and I thought it was a great case study. There's so many thorny issues within that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the part that I took away that, that, that's the most concerning is, well, if your enemy starts to go droid firing at people, you almost have to do it or else they're just going to wipe you out. And so then you get back into we could do these things. We probably should not do these things at the same time. We have to think through how we would do it if we had to, because if someone else ever does, we have to be able to respond. And so mm-hmm. that's where this, the ethics, you can twist yourself in circles. I mean, here's yeah. something we know we we shouldn't do. We, we wouldn't want to do it, but we still have to have a plan to do it because at some point we might have to do it no yeah. matter how, how, how unseemly it is to everybody involved. And, mm-hmm. uh, Anyway, that, that's the one I remember jumping. You're right.
0: My head's spinning. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Franks. Beautiful. Phenomenal book. 97 things about ethics. Everyone in data science should know. That I'm going to read. Highly recommend everyone to go out and grab this book. Bill, my friend, thank you so much for the time. And I wish you a very happy and healthy day.
1: And thank you for having me. And I'll just say one last time too, I'll, I'll thank all of the contributors in the book. It was a compilation book with, you know, dozens and dozens of contributors and, uh, you know, all that great content you're referencing is is thanks to, to to them. And I think I did a good job of curating it, but curation is uh, is dependent upon the submission. So yep. I, I just want to recognize all of the authors that contributed. Absolutely. And I
0: I, I double that, that great, great body of work. Yep. All right, sir. Okay. We have a great day. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye bye. So long, folks.